0: Welcome to episode 45 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma once again is Tad Millmine. He is a Calgary police officer and the founder of Bullying Ends Here. If you didn't tune in last week to hear a little bit about his charity and what Bullying Ends Here is all about, go back and listen to episode 44 to get a little bit of background on what he does, but this episode is going to be all about his own mental health journey and his own struggles. We get to talk all about his childhood trauma, bullying at school, and then how that eventually turned into self-harming, depression, and even a suicide attempt. Plus, we get into his coping mechanisms and how he's gotten through the hard days, as well as a little bit about his coming out story and the massive, massive stigma around taking medication. These two episodes were absolutely amazing. I hope you guys love this one as much as I do. I know I say that every week, but I really, truly mean it. If you want to contact Tad or donate to the charity or reach out in any way, you can visit bullyingendshere.ca.
1: Where would you like me to start?
0: Um, I don't know. Um, can you kind of share what you you went through and and how it affected you growing up or or even as an adult i guess
1: well it's it's uh it was interesting because this is where the whole story ties together on bullying ends here Mm -hmm. so the charity was created for two reasons one is jamie's story which was the trigger to bring me back to my story which the two stories combined forms bullying ends here so my story was uh five years old um mom and dad arguing viciously, obviously, domestic violence, as I know it now to be. It's They divorced. They, they made that decision to divorce, the right decision. Um, my dad is the one who I went with. My mom went her own way. I didn't see her again for the better part of the next probably 15, 20-ish years. Um, obviously, at five years old, I don't understand what's going on. I just want that utopian fairy tale life. I want my mom to come back home. Uh, dad was an alcoholic Um, I know that when we hear that word we often we cringe when when we hear the alcoholic word we have a lot of negative association to the word not applicable to my dad my dad was very caring, kind loving he didn't change when he was drunk Um, he stayed the same his challenge though was when something was going on in his life and he should have been talking about it addressing or communicating he wasn't comfortable he turned to the alcohol and he hoped that those problems kind of just took care of themselves. So when he found the new woman of his dreams, she was not a very pleasant person. Um, She absolutely hated me. Um, One of the first rules, the biggest rule for me was, um, I was not gonna be allowed out of the basement of my house. The basement was a very dark, damp um, place. And I don't mean dark just as far as like lack of light, although that was it. But very dark as in it was just a very frightening place. It was cement walls, cement floor, one light bulb in the ceiling and it wasn't even a full basement i think it was maybe five five feet tall obviously as a child i couldn't touch the roof anyway so it felt like a full basement but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a full basement like we're used to now uh there was a lot of abuse a lot of neglect a lot of name calling i held everything in i was a very introverted i mean i still am but back then i was really really introverted a lot of crying a lot of tears a lot of. really feeling like no one can help, no one's going to understand uh, the repercussions of of what I was doing, of of holding it in and, and disciplining and punishing myself was I began struggling with mental illness. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know, mm-hmm. but looking back, it was very obvious. Um, the only time I was allowed to leave the basement was to go to school, but school, the kids at a young age, they also figured out that I cried all the time, terribly introverted. They also discovered that my trigger was to call me bad names. I cried, and it just kept going on. It manifested itself through the years of of school. It started with name calling, as as most incidents of bullying does. It does start small enough to use that word. As far as spectrum, um, it was small because if I had stopped it at the very first time I was called a bad a bad name, I wouldn't have suffered from it. The the bullies, as they would eventually become would have learned lessons and accountability um it wouldn't have been ongoing which then turns into bullying but i didn't address it i hoped it went away i buried my head in my arm crying all day other bullying led to full-on assaults and by the time high school was over that's when i knew things were really going downhill at 17 i ran away from home uh went to the government for help i was immediately put into protective custody The government uh, put like restrictions or rules Uh, I was never going to go back home again they protected me they saved me they provided for me they they gave me a place to be but it was just me so I had to learn how to be Tad whatever the Tad was going to be I had to learn all that Um, my challenge was however that I wasn't addressing the mental health aspect so I was suffering drastically when it came to mental illness. Um, Looking back, I know I was severely depressed. I had suicidal ideations. I was self-harming. At 21, I attempted suicide. Um, I didn't leave any notes. I didn't make any phone calls. I didn't leave uh, any hints or messages to anyone. I went home and I truly wanted it to end. Looking back on my life in that moment, that night, there would have been no convincing me otherwise. But as I now can reflect upon it, me with life experience especially with being the role of a police officer as well is um i realized that that moment that triggered me that day was so small so trivial but in my moments of that day of that uh timeline of my life it was the straw that broke the camel's back i had allowed all these small little things to keep weighing on me keep weighing on me to the point i broke um thank goodness i was not successful i woke up the next morning so uh, there are no words I was angry let's just say that um and that was my moment knowing that I was going to invest in myself I was going to invest in my health I was going to invest in my well-being I was not going to allow myself to be walked over abused used neglected anymore and I wasn't going to allow myself to do that to myself anymore I I began getting professional help greatest thing I ever did um and as time goes on, I, I still do those check-ins, as I call them. I do the tunas. I, I still see a psychiatrist or nowadays talk to one um, every two weeks. I have for eight years now. It's, it's the greatest thing. It's, it's, it's a safe place. It's a trusted place. It's an open space for me. And, and um, it's awesome. So I've come a long, long ways. Um, the dream of being a police officer is arguably what kept me strong enough to survive it all because as a little boy when I was having my bad days which was multiple times every day I was always envisioning being in a position to help the little boy Tad and so here I am as a police officer able to help the little Tads out there or even grown-up Tads Um, so being in the position that I am it's it's it really is an honor because it's not lost on me the ability to to reflect and understand with with victims when I'm at the scene saying you know what it's okay i've i've been there i'm not here to judge i'm i'm not here to trivialize what you're through or tell you it's nothing important there are bigger things in the world i'm there to understand and and listen and and i think that's what makes me um the best version of tad that i can be today and tomorrow i aim to be uh, even better than today that's that's my challenge that I put out to myself that tomorrow. I'm gonna be even better I'm gonna be stronger. I'm gonna be more effective. I'm gonna be even more resilient. So it's not done It's it's forever gonna be a work in progress just like the charity is just like life is but yeah, I am where I am today and uh, I'm overall very content. I think I, I think would be the word
0: I resonate with your story so much that is it's so crazy to me just when I was younger like I've been battling depression and BPD since I was nine years old and I bottled up my emotions for my whole life I was super super introverted I didn't talk to anyone in school and so I got bullied for that now I'm still introverted um a lot less so obviously but um wow that I, yeah, I resonate with your story so much, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people, bottle up their emotions and kind of hide that side of themselves because there's such a stigma and a fear of of maybe hurting even more or making it worse for yourself. And for me as well, my family didn't find out about any of my struggles until I was in my twenties, early twenties, I would say. And at that point, I, I also had reached kind of a breaking point and it was, it was almost too late. Yeah. So, wow. Oh, I'm so glad that you're able to share your story now. And, and we can even have these like open, real, raw conversations.
1: I so, agree. We need more of them. Uh, I think as adults, we are excellent at telling young people how life is. We're excellent yeah. at it. But the key word there is telling that's not, it's not right. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I was told all through my life, what life was going to be like. You were told all through life, you're told not to smoke, not to do drugs. Um, what do we do as young people? We smoke, we (laughs) do drugs because we're told things we're told it's bad, but we need those life experiences. We need to find out for ourselves. We need to learn. And, and I think that it kind of connects what you and I were saying earlier about what's different about what I'm doing compared to other anti-bullying or mental wellness workshops that are out there. And it's, I don't go to any others, so I can't say this is a fact. I can say my understanding is simply the fact that I'm not telling anyone anything I'm showing them. It's, um, they already know. Kids have already been told, you know, don't put bad things on the internet. Well, what are they doing? They're putting bad things on the internet. So I'm showing them why adults have been telling them all along. And Mm -hmm. I think when you show young people, no matter your age, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm 48 years old and I'm resonating with an 11, a 12 year old in school to the point that they want to message me and share their story. It's not an age thing. It's, it's, it's the fact that even a young person can resonate with a young person because of the fact that we all have experienced the same emotions and it isn't trivial We can't tell an an 11 year old, don't worry, things will get better. We've all heard that, Uh, I understand it, and it is accurate, but that's not good enough. We can't pat a young person on the head and say, don't worry, Ricky, things are gonna get better. That doesn't help the young person, that's talking about the future. Young people are afraid of the future. They've never been in the future before. They only care about today, right this moment. So it's fine to say it's going to get better, but we need to follow that by saying, but Ricky, you and I need to sit down and let's let's learn a little bit more about this mm-hmm. and ask those open-ended questions. How did it make you feel? Has this happened to you before? Uh, what, what can I do to help you? Um, things that we're gonna start empowering that young person with the very essence of what the bully took from them. And that is the sense of empowerment. That's the first thing a bully steals from a victim is empowerment. So we need to start instilling it back into into that young person, the victim. So if we start saying things like, you know, what I will do whatever you want, but what is it that you think that I can do to help you? Let's make a plan. Let's make a follow up date. So it's not just open ended, and we'll just we'll just meet up whenever. It's you know what? Hey, can you come back and see me tomorrow at some point, or do you mind if I, you know, check in with you by email mm-hmm. or whatever whatever the youth prefers? So it's it's uh. It's logical. It's sensible. It's um, achievable, but we just need a lot more of it because we got to break down these stigmas. It's yeah. uh, I talk about taking yeah. a little white pill every day, and I use the example: see this little white pill in my hand, and and you know, to some, in fact, to many, it's like it's a white pill, but in fact, to me, it represents strength, yeah. courage, resilience, because that white pill didn't get in my hand because of fluke. It's in my hand because I invested in myself. I self-evaluated myself to know that, you know what, I better talk to someone. So I invested to the point that I spoke to someone to the point that they heard and understood they, they did the testing. They, they came up with diagnosis. They, they provided me medication. We followed up to make sure the medication was working. We do check-ins as far as, as therapy is concerned. So that little white pill symbolizes an awful lot more than just a white pill. And I think that's the important part is that, again, not telling, but it's showing. It's, it's putting some, some uh, substance to, to the words that we're saying. And in fact, we're, we're using actions. And actions, you know, one of my mottos in life are words are hollow. Words mean nothing until you show me, prove it to me that, that your words are serious, are genuine. Because mm-hmm. everyone's going to say things like, oh, I want to make the world a better place. Oh, I want to solve bully, or bullying. I want to solve world hunger. I want to solve homelessness. Lovely words, but we all say it. Yeah. My question would be: Prove to me, show me that what you just said is accurate. So, what have you done to help the homeless population? Have you made a sandwich? Have you made a donation? Have you uh, have you done something? Have you let someone into your home? Have you, you know, there's a lot of things as individuals we can do. And yeah, we're not going to solve homelessness. But if we solve or help just one person, then that's the way we need to be be looking at these big societal problems is think smaller, think about the individual. Everyone has a different story. We can't just, you know, put one big tarp over everyone and say, this will fix your issue because it's, it's not, it may fix a couple, but it's not going to fix the problem overall. We're still going to have homelessness until we get to the roots of the individual's challenges and issues. And we do that by listening and learning.
0: Mm-hmm. You do share uh, a little bit about your battles with. You have PTSD, anxiety, and OCD. Is that right? Yes. Do you think
1: yes, that... anxiety? We spoke about that's <laughs> uh, that's every day. That is what my my little white pill helps a lot with. Yeah. It's kind of just knock down those highs and lows as far as uh, moods are, are concerned, especially on a presentation day. It's um or a work day as well. It's um. The, the pill really, really helps with, with just balancing my mood, essentially. Um, PTSD just recently diagnosed with, but I knew for a long time I've had it. Um, I was already like getting treatment for it. Pardon me. I was already getting treatment for it. I just hadn't um, gone through the testing for it. But The testing for it and having the label didn't change anything for me. There was nothing additional that I was going through. So, um, so that was just the, the continual learning and growing about myself that i went through to keep continue to invest Mm -hmm. and ocd has always been there just that everything needs to be perfect i can't have any anything outstanding in my inbox for emails for instance i can't i'd much rather work all weekends to make sure that monday is just another day than i would knowing that on saturday sunday my workload is just piling up because that work is is people's lives it's it's people's feelings and emotions their circumstances i can't just be treating it like some people treat paperwork for instance i have to remember like there's a human being behind the work that's piling up so i'd rather just deal with it uh, as it comes so that's why i was saying it's really hard to to turn off the bullying ends here or the policing or the just had because they're so intertwined they're always on and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have it any other
0: way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that any of your mental health battles are kind of a result of your childhood or like, what all is your, what is your take on that? Um, there's a kind of a nature versus nurture debate on the mental health yeah. and mental illness um, sources, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I would say all of them are yeah. related to my upbringing, uh, depression, OCD, like I, I can almost tell you like the moments where all of them would have come from because when I think about perfection, I think of everything has to be perfect. Yeah. I reflect back to being the boy in the basement and if I had left something out, if I hadn't dotted an I or crossed a T, I was going to pay a severe price. So the OCD came from the needing to always be perfect. I had to have everything completed. I couldn't leave anything undone, even yeah. if I was tired, even if it was a moment. It, it needed to be done now and immediately. Um, yeah. PTSD kind of speaks for itself. It was, yeah. I mean, what I went through is pretty natural to have some some PTSD or a form of it. And um, anxiety, I mean, I think that's that's just ingrained in me on always trying to to be kind, but not in the way that you and I were just speaking. I go back to being the boy in the basement. The kind always had to be, I had to monitor every word I said, every look I had, because if that woman had seen or sensed anything again, the severe consequences. So it was always having to be on, always having to be perfect, always having to be, uh, really mindful of of what I'm doing. So I think all of that translates into who I am today. I found positive ways to do it all, of course, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's my mental illnesses um, are all, uh, can all be tracked back to, to childhood. The PTSD is, is more, I mean, it's from the line of work. I mean, I think to a certain degree, any frontline police officer, paramedic, um, people that work in jails, uh, firefighters. I think we've all got a certain degree of PTSD because you see things that human beings are not meant to see. Um, You experience things that human beings should not be experiencing, Not, not on the degree we are. I mean, I'll go to 12 very serious calls in one shift. So whether that's a child struck by a bus, whether that's a car crash and some people... Are seriously injured or maybe not with us anymore whether it's uh someone struggling with mental illness whether it's someone that's just committed an offense whether it's someone that down in luck uh, down and out with on life it's uh you're going from grief to grief to grief and you're, it's bound to weigh on you because you're not supposed to do these things you're not supposed to to do that and you become d de- uh oh i know if anyone listening right now knows the word i'm trying to say um dehumanized um, desensitized to yeah. to what you're seeing. I mean I can go and see a body and it not affects me at all. And obviously uh-huh. the family that's right there with the loved one that they've lost are out of control crying.' Yeah. They're, they're heartbroken they're they're not themselves and totally understandable. I was that way at one point in my life but now it's just it's not to say I'm heartless or anything like that. it's to say that it's my everyday job. You know, it's if I was to be emotional at every call, I wouldn't make it very long in this line of work. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you still have to be human, but yeah, the emotions they kinda just naturally get tucked away when, when you 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 do this this frontline policing that I'm in.
0: So do you think that your illnesses is something that you're gonna battle with for your whole life? Or is that something Absolutely. because you developed them when you were younger, is there a possibility yeah. of get also getting rid of them again or you don't think so
1: I don't think so and so to to tie that last piece together about about the trigger that I had when I was reading about Jamie for the first time is up until that moment I had basically buried my past I had accepted it I had moved on
0: yeah
1: there wasn't anything in my life that I was needing to like it was it was coming back it wasn't in my dreams it wasn't in my daily thoughts it wasn't in conversation like my past was in my past i don't i don't see anyone from my past i don't like i don't have those reminders so it was all gone and then i read about jamie and everything came flooding back so i had to learn really quickly how to accept it how to embrace it how to own it and um and find a way to turn it into a positive and it's not from anything magic i've done i i actually um contributed to the youth the youth that message me at night that are saying, Hey, you know what? It's uh, thanks for sharing It It really helped. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's one thing that that means so much to me is because they are lifting me up. They are reassuring me that it's okay. They're, they're reminding me that what I'm doing is what I'm meant to be doing. It's helping. It's uh, it's resonating. And, and I think that's so important. So, so yeah, I, in a way I, it may sound weird, but I don't want to, be perfect. I don't. I don't want to be a hundred percent because I don't ever want to lose the passion. I don't want the fire to go out. I don't want uh, to just be sharing my story from a simple memory. I want to be sharing it because I'm reliving it in my mind with every wow. presentation I do. Wow. Probably not the healthiest thing to do, but. I know what I'm doing, and and it's it's worth it for me. It's not for everyone, though. I would not mm. recommend <laughs> um, remitting your trauma um, on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. But uh, for me, it's just become a part of my my regular routine. And mm. when I'm doing a presentation, Elena, in the back of my mind, I'm doing my grocery list. I'm doing um, what I, like going through what I need to do for the rest of my day. Even though I'm coming across to the audience of I'm you know, I'm really passionate. I'm really frightened again. I'm, you know, I'm experiencing, I'm reliving it. fact is I'm really not. It's, um, I've just pushed play on the tape recorder and and that's aging myself. I know, (laughs) but, um, I basically just push play and it goes on autopilot and I'm off in my own little world. So I don't really relive it, but it has definitely come back in the dreams at night Yeah, and, um, it, they aren't nightmares. I wouldn't even call them night terrors. I would just say they're just bad dreams. It's uh, I'm always the boy in the basement. But it's uh, it seems that as time goes on, it's almost like I know in my dream that it's a dream. So they don't frighten me as much anymore. And again, I don't want them to go away. Because it reminds me of what it's like to be, <clears throat> for me, the boy in the basement. Wow. Oh
0: my goodness. Okay, so... Um, what coping mechanisms have helped you through your hard days and have those changed over time as you yourself have changed and kind of um, understood what you're going through and what's happening to you?
1: My co- coping mechanisms I think to a to a great extent've I've, uh, I don't know if it's if I've almost just buried a lot of things in my life because I stay so busy that that I don't, acknowledged some of the, the, the things I almost mm-hmm. try to ignore them or block them out. So for me, one of the biggest challenges I have and I've had for as long as I can remember is, is trust. And, and I don't mean trust as far as like a best friend or something like that. I mean, that's fine. I'm talking about allowing someone into my life to know the real Tad. I mean, there are very few people. In fact, I can count on less than the fingers of one hand that would be able to truly tell you who Tad is partly because i don't even know who the real tad is i've i've just immersed myself so much in wanting to to help those that need the help the way i needed help years ago that i just i haven't i mean i i speak to my therapist and it's lovely and and i'm very open and honest when when we're we're speaking because again it's an investment but you know at the end of the day it's yeah i haven't really experienced who the real tad is And so you and I were talking about the trip I was just on for the last two and a half weeks. I think that was one of the only times that I can remember at least in my adult life where I really experienced TAT and it's um, the company that I was with really helped with that. We spoke a lot about mental wellness. We had a lot of time to go for walks on the beach and just talk and learn about each other. And, and it was great, but the trust, I, I mean, I don't have any secrets anyway, so I don't really have to worry too much about trust as far as someone's going to take my words and use them against me type of trust. It's more just the letting someone in. I mm-hmm. I don't do it. So to say what my coping mechanisms are, I guess in a way it's keep myself busy, try to almost stay out of my yeah. own head because it can be a very busy place. Mm-hmm. So I try not to allow myself to have very much time to sit and contemplate because I tend to overthink things and that's never a good thing yeah
0: oh absolutely I think I do the same thing
1: yeah. yeah yeah keep yourself busy
0: all right this question might be a little bit difficult um I've heard the comparison being made between coming out to your family and friends about mental health and mental illness and coming out in terms of sexuality now I I I know that the two are, are obviously very incomparable, but like, what is your take on that? And as someone who is a part of the LGBTQ community and has maybe experienced both sides of that, like, how do you feel about that comparison? And do you find it kind of offensive or insensitive at all?
1: It's, I mean, I have to say, I get asked a lot of questions and <laughs> in, in, in I've never, not only have I never been asked it, but I've never even heard of the, the comparison so i can only speak on my own mm-hmm. experiences yeah coming out was an experience that anyone that's ever come out would would truly appreciate that up until the moment of coming out you're frightened you're alone it doesn't matter how much support and love around you you have you still feel those you feel and it's to the extreme it's not just you feel lonely on a day i'm talking you're you're sinking and you're you're diving and you become so afraid that you you don't even want to be looking in the direction of a rainbow because you think that someone's going to see you looking at the rainbow and then they're going to assume you're gay. So, like, you're just playing these out over and over and over in your mind. Um, and again, I'm going from personal experience, not from the way it might be for youth nowadays, but mm-hmm. I do know that a lot of that um, root pain and fear is still still there to this day. I think it always will be. Um because there's a certain part of coming out and understanding yourself that it's not just frightening as far as going to talk about it with someone else, it's frightening for ourselves as individuals to acknowledge it, to recognize it, to understand it. And um, and especially because, you know, we're told that our brains aren't fully functioning until 25 years old, you know. Um, there really are phases in our lives that we go through that maybe we are just experimenting and people are putting labels on us or we as individuals feel we need to put a label on us to, it's the hot topic of the week or month or whatever going on at school. So for me, when it came to mental illness and talking about that, I mean, I was an adult at that point. So there wasn't mm-hmm. anyone to, to, to need to share that with It's It's only been since doing bullying ends here, do I talk so open? And even that mm-hmm. has just been kind of a gradual progression that, I just realized that we're starting to have more conversations about it. So maybe I should be more open about it. It's not that I was ever afraid to talk about it, but I I certainly didn't feel the same way talking about mental illness as I would have the the way I felt when I was coming out. So from my experience, I would say there's no comparison, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're still talking about similar feelings and emotions. So I guess, One could say there is a connection there or, or uh, um, some relevance, but I, I, I personally don't think they're, they're the same thing. They're, they're different. Mm-hmm. And in order to, to say the struggling with mental illness, I mean, you can't put a label on yourself, whether it's OCD, depression, all those things, unless a professional right. tells you, that this is the diagnosis i mean it's easy to self-diagnose you can go on the internet nowadays check all the buttons and it it comes up with your your diagnosis but that is not reality that is yeah. the internet that is somebody is making stuff up and people are buying into it um we still need doctors professionals yeah. therapists they're the ones that can give the diagnosis so what i'm getting at with that is that you in fact had to share with somebody that you're struggling before you're even able to share with other people mm-hmm. that you're struggling with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Whereas coming out, you once you tell one person, you best be prepared for the world to know because humans suck at keeping secrets. It doesn't matter how much that person loves us, it's not about love, mm-hmm. it's about human beings are not very good at keeping secrets and sharing someone some something so big about ourselves, it's hard for anyone to keep that as a secret, it, it just is.
0: Wow, that is such a good point.
1: So, in order to be diagnosed with a mental illness, you had to have told someone. In mm-hmm. order to come out, it's um, you don't get a test. You yeah, your closet door is is swinging open as they as they say. And when I came out, that closet door it it blew off the hinges. Uh, it's uh, there was no stopping me. And I hear this over and over and over again from young people, especially when they share what they're going through or they went through when they were younger and they came out was um, and this is not to take away anyone's story that went the negative route this is about those that honestly felt it was going to be negative and turned out to be very very positive positive. and when they told that one person who they were so afraid to tell typically it's a parent and the parent loves them the parent embraces them the parent uh, does it the right way I mean, that closet door is flying. The, they, that young person is going to tell people. Mom and dad are going to tell people. My mom got on the horn as soon as I told her. She began calling the entire family to mm. tell them. It's, um, yeah, once you tell one person, it's uh, as much as it's supposed to be our own story to share, yeah. you don't really have very much ownership over it at that point because people talk and they talk a lot. And now social media certainly doesn't make it any better.
0: Yeah, not at all.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, I have two questions um, that I ask pretty much everyone that comes on the podcast, and then that is it. Um, Looking back over your journey, is there any advice that you would give your younger self or any advice that you kind of wish that you would have received when you were younger? Yeah,
1: I wish someone had done what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. I wish somebody had just shared, showed me there is a way through it, showed me there is a a bright path, uh, showed me that resilience is possible, showed me that achieving a dream is real. Dreams are not Mm -hmm. meant to be dreamt. They're meant to be achieved. I wish someone had showed me those things, but obviously nobody did. So it's – but schools have come a long way since I was in school too. So it's not to paint the – uh, school districts or boards or families with the same brush that I experienced. That was 25 years ago. We've come a long, long way since. So, yeah, if I could talk to my little boy self, it would be invest in yourself, speak up, reach out, um, and and to really know that, that it does get better. It, it really does. But it only gets better if you as an individual, in this case, if Tad allowed it to get better. Because so oftentimes in life, I was my biggest barrier. There wasn't other people. Um, somebody can't make me feel sad. I can only allow myself to feel sad. Someone can't make me feel mad. I can only allow myself to be mad. It's um, no one else is responsible for my emotions. It's me, and and it took me a long time to understand that. But granted, there are extenuating circumstances where people can hurt you, people can harm you, but I'm talking about at the, end of the day it's um sadness hurts pain all those things emotions are from within and oftentimes they're connected to an experience we've had in life that that reminds us what it's like to hurt why do we cry why why when somebody says something mean about us why does that pain us so much when in fact that person's spreading lies it has nothing to do with me it says nothing about me whatsoever it says everything about the person that posted it Mm -hmm but yet I'm the one that's going to hurt and the person that posted it is going to go about their day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's backwards. So, so we need to to just remind ourselves that we're worth the investment. We just got to take that step back and ask ourselves, why are we feeling this way? Nobody made me. It's, I've allowed myself and maybe that goes back to the walls I put up. I I protect myself really, really well. And um, I still have weak moments. I still have people that have done something and I allow myself to be hurt and sad and, and pained or stung, as I as I call it. But um, right at the end of the day, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of my emotions. I'm in charge of how I feel. So you got to make the investment every day over and over and over again.
0: Oh, I love that one. That's so good. Okay, my last question is, um, is there a stigma or a misconception surrounding mental health that bothers you the most or that you hear most often, but isn't true?
1: I think the the one that I hear a lot is coming from young people mm-hmm. and it's about medication. Mm-hmm. It's, um, there are a lot of adults, uh, of adults out there and uh, I'm even going pre COVID. So I'm not talking about vaccinations or any of, of the, the triggering discussions that are going on now. I'm talking about Tylenol for a headache. I'm talking about, yeah. um, antidepressants i'm talking about all these medications that are out there that that can really really help that can really make a difference that can help balance us out we're all not born the same way um our minds are different our abilities to cope are different our life experiences are different so i i've heard it time and time and time again from young people i will not take medication who am i to say you need to i i just say you know what hey you're entitled to whatever you think and obviously it's a young person so it's not what they think it's what they've been told um i i just share with them you know what here's what i did and i think it's very silly that if there is a little pill out there that i could take every morning that would help make a positive impact on my life and i chose not to take it because of what other people are going to think when at the end of the day no one's gonna know that I'm taking that pill unless I tell people I'm taking the pill so it's um I just find it so intriguing when when people they're asking the questions how can I feel better? why do I feel the way I do but then an answer is provided and in fact to some a solution is right in front of them but no 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 I'm I, I don't want medicine in my body. It's like okay well what's wrong with medicine I mean, Food is medicine, technically, because if we don't eat food, we're not going to feel so well, and the fix to it is we eat. If we don't eat, we're going to get violently sick, and we're not going to last very long. So we need these medicines, and where where these stigmas became attached to medicine, I mm-hmm. I don't get it. When we're broken, we break a bone, nobody says, no, 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 don't give me that painkiller. Yeah. We're like, give it to me now. It's um, Well, that's medicine. It takes away the pain. What's the difference between a broken leg and a broken mind? It's um, if you can fix it by way of medicine, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I don't understand it. But I can say from my perspective, I'll take the pill anytime. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it works for me.
0: Oh, that's a really good one. I love that question because the answers are always different. I've never heard that one, but that's a yeah. really good one. I like that a lot take take whatever it's going to
1: take invest in yourself it's mental illness i don't think you'd have to ask a professional but from my experience it's not going to go away on its own it's yeah. um you can't think your way out of it you can't fake your way out of it you can't keep yourself busy to get away from it forever it's it's there you're you're broken and that's okay it's um it's okay to be broken it's even better to recognize that you're broken and get the help uh, get the assistance. I I don't think that's a sign of weakness whatsoever. I think that's a very um, positive step. It's a sign of courage, of strength, of resilience. And you can't do those things if you're not going to take the the brave step to to originally reach out to somebody that can actually make that positive difference, that can actually help. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't
1: Oh gosh, I think we've touched on even more than I thought we'd yeah. be touching on. This is this is lovely. I love the the open concept of of sharing and and uh, kind of just the whole um, let it flow and yeah. and go where you know wherever it's going to go. And and uh, yeah, I think we touched on way more than I even thought we would. So you know, kudos to both of us.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. That was awesome.
1: Yeah. It's it's fun to talk. It, it's it's therapeutic to talk. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you for for reaching out, for wanting to talk, for providing the the um, you know the platform to talk. It's uh, it's teamwork. Everything I do is not because of me. It's not because of Jamie. It's is because of a team, and you're a part of that team. You're you're sharing the message, and like I said, everything has it leads to something. And today's discussion is going to lead somewhere. I don't know where, but my arms are wide open, you know, looking and waiting for it to happen. It's um, it's exciting.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. If people want to reach out to you or have more questions for you, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Always on the website, bullyingnseer.ca. It has all the links that takes you to all the social media platforms. It takes you to support and guidance. It re- takes you to the contact tab. Youth Advisory Board, like everything, financials, donations, sponsorships, records, everything is on that website. So bullyingendshere.ca.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.